Hey fam, welcome to Chi Alpha. We are so, so glad that you are here. It seems like forever, but it's only been four short weeks and maybe some of you wonder what we do around here while you're gone. Thought I would clue you in. We just sit here and wait for you to come back. Chi Alpha staff are kind of like dogs, except we don't chew the furniture in McLean as we wait. Just kidding. We do a little more than waiting around, but I say all that to say we miss you guys tons when you're not here. Over break, we prayed a lot for you guys in this new semester ahead because we really believe that God is going to continue to show up in our lives in a big, big way. So tonight, before I jump into what God has in store for us, I'm going to do the most important thing that we can, which is pray. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this night. I thank you just for an awesome break that we just had. Um, God, we are so excited for a new semester. God, you're a God that that likes to do new things in our lives. So we come to you expectant and ready for what you have for us this semester as we continue just to grow in relationship with you, as we continue just to draw closer to you. God, we trust that you're going to meet us there and that you're going to continue to reveal yourself to us in new ways. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I also needed to pray because I'm about to show you some embarrassing moments of my life. I assure you that there haven't been any sense. I basically stopped being embarrassing. Just kidding. If any of you know me well, you know that I'm totally kidding. My life is really one story after another that somehow always just fits into my sermons. So God will use it for good. Amen. Anywho, I will now unlock the vault of pictures documenting my Jonas Brothers obsession. I wish I could tell you this only took place during my middle school years, but no, it followed through my high school years and may or may not have followed me well into my freshman my freshman year of college, so do not judge. Um, here's a picture of me with a life-size cardboard cutout of the Jonas Brothers that I, yes, I indeed dumpster dive for that thing. So never say you aren't going to do something in your life because before you know it, you will get in that dumpster and you will save the Jonas Brothers from ending up in a garbage plant. Um, The Jonas Brothers also should have hired me as their brand rep. You can click to the next picture. Here's me with a blown up version of their iconic Rolling Stones cover on a tote bag. Um, As you can see, being a style icon was the legacy I left on this campus. And that was my freshman year of college, by the way, when I still thought marrying Nick Jonas was a high possibility for me. And finally, here's a picture of me from high school where my friends decorated my locker for Valentine's Day with pictures of the Jonas Brothers. And as you can see from my expression, I was shocked and appalled at the vandalism. It would not be a stretch to say I worshipped the ground they walked on. A little weird, I know, but they were the center of my universe. If you wondered how many times one can watch the Jonas Brothers 3D concert experience without breaking the DVD... The limit does not exist. The more I learned about the Joe Bros, the more I loved the Joe Bros. They were the center of my affections. At the end of the day, my obsession faded for the benefit of myself and everyone that I loved. You're welcome. That's a funny true story, but I want you to take a moment and think about what is something that is the center of your affections. 
What do you give your attention to so much that it becomes worthy of your devotion? It might take your thoughts and your time. It is what drives your dreams and desires. It influences your conversations and your decisions. It's the first thing on your mind when you wake up and the last thing on your mind before your head hits the pillow. It's the center. These things that you're thinking of don't have to be these terrible, horrible things. They can just be simple, everyday things. What is it that the more you're connected to it, the more you love it. It just becomes part of who you are. Because what gets your attention and what gets your affections is what you worship. Attention plus affections equals worship. Some simple math that I actually can do. (laughs) So what do you worship? We are pumped to start our first series of the semester talking about worship. And over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack what scripture says about living a life of worship. Different ways that we can express worship and what will take place in our lives as a result. And I wish I could tell you that the version of the sermon that you're hearing now was my first draft. I wish I could tell you that late last night, God didn't tell me to change all that I already had typed. And I was like, Jesus, hi, um, it's midnight and I am confusion about why you want me to change what I have. Jesus, explain. That's the only time you'll ever hear me quote Vine in a sermon, so take it in. But I know that God wants to share something tonight that is so important, so foundational for our lives. And his words tonight are the highlight, not mine. And I am in such awe because this shows that God still wants to speak to us today, that he is real and alive and active and relevant. He wants to be close and personal with us, not to be somebody who is distant, up in the sky. He's not someone that, I'll get back to you in three to five business days. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me right now. And if you don't believe this or you aren't sure about this whole God thing yet, that's okay. All I ask is you just listen and give what God wants to speak tonight a chance. Because what God wants to speak to us tonight, if we're willing to listen to what he has to say, can literally change the course of our entire semester. I would be even bold to say it will change the course of our entire lives. And it is this realization that God is the only one worthy of our worship. God is the only one worthy of our worship. Our hearts were made for worship, and because of that, we are going to worship something. What we worship, we treasure, and what we treasure, we worship. And the hunger of our hearts longs to be satisfied through worship, but the question is, what are we feeding it? And is it worth it? When we can honestly answer these questions, God can then show us how to live our lives in worship solely for him. And worship is not just a church term, though I feel like that is what we most connected to. And worship is not a place. Worship is not just found in a building on a Sunday or found here in this room on a Thursday. Worship is more than singing. It's more than the emotions that we might feel during a song. It's more than closing our eyes or lifting our hands. And yes, all those are forms of worship that Bree is going to share with us next week. But when we boil it down, worship is an attitude of the heart. 
it's nothing that we have to manufacture because it's just a natural outflow of what we are feeding our hearts. And for the purpose of tonight, I'm going to define worship as this. Making someone or something the center of our lives, trusting that it will satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. It's making someone or something the center of our lives, trusting that it will satisfy the deepest longings of our souls. It's saying, I show my allegiance, my loyalty to this, whatever this is, because I see it as worthy as being the center of my life. What we worship has our hearts. What we worship directs our lives. What we worship becomes our treasure. And when you treasure something, what do you do? You hold it tightly because it is something of great value to you. When you treasure something, you esteem it. You place it higher than anything else in your life. And you will continually feed your treasure. What we worship becomes our treasure. And earlier we heard our friends Mike and Shadai and TJ share personal stories of different things in their life that they worshipped that became their treasure. We heard Mike talk about how money and status was just the object of his affections. We heard from Shaddai that the opinions of others were just the foundation of her life. And we heard from TJ that how his life kind of revolved around just having relationships and how that became almost an idol for him that he, that he worshipped. And scripture talks about what happens when we treasure something in our lives more than anything else. In Matthew 6, 21, it tells us, For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. For where your treasure is, your heart will also be. So worship is not just about making things the center of our lives, but it's also about making things the center of our hearts, the center of our emotions. And worship has to do more with the heart than any other part of who we are. God designed our hearts to be the core that determines what we will worship. Because when something is in our heart, it's a part of us. Our hearts determine the why behind all of our actions and the how we carry those out. Every part of who we are flows from right here. And that is why Matthew 6.21 ties together so closely that the treasure we worship is what we will find in our hearts. Treasure plus worship equals what you find in your heart. More math. (laughs) So what do we treasure? And sometimes it's hard to notice. It's okay if you have to take a moment and think, what do I put in my life above everything else? What in my life is everything tied back to? And one way to think about it is, what is the one thing that can make or break your day? That one thing that can either send you to cloud nine or fall into a pit of despair, that can be the greatest indicator of the treasure we are worshiping in our hearts. So what can make or break your day? Maybe if it's he or she texts you back or what your peers are saying and thinking about you. Maybe it's how your family treats you or accepts you. Maybe it's the GPA or the number on the scale. Maybe it's getting the call back for the good high paying job or the position you hold in a campus club or activity or sport. Whatever it may be, it's a thing that sets your emotions into motion. It's what our emotions get fixed on. 
But scripture tells us in 1 Chronicles 16, 23 through 27, that the only thing worthy attaching our emotions of our heart to is God. Like he alone will be the one who satisfies our hearts. In that passage read, starting in verse 23, it says, Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. And we see here that God is the only one worthy of our worship because he is the good news that saved us from eternal separation. We see that God, the gods of other nations were just mere idols, just statues. So things in our lives that can't really satisfy our hearts. And we see that all strength and joy and security can only be found in God because he is everlasting. Wow, that sounds like someone who will never let us down. And when we fix our emotions and our treasure on the wrong things, they will eventually let us down. They will eventually fall short of our expectations. They will eventually not satisfy the deepest longings of our heart anymore. So let's just revisit the testimonies from our friends. After a while, money and status didn't work for Mike anymore. Surviving off the opinions of others didn't satisfy Shaddai's heart any longer. And for TJ, the pursuit of relationship after relationship was not the kind of treasure that he desired any longer. Our treasure is a choice, and I think of it like the treasure box you got to pick from at the dentist's office when you were a little kid. They would open it up all big, and you got to choose your treasure in comparison to everything else in that sketchy box. But our treasure is a choice. That's what we worship becomes a choice. The decision we make is going to drive everything that we do, but is what we are choosing worth it? God is the only one worthy of our worship. God is the only one that will not let us down. God is the only one that will satisfy. As each of them shared, we heard that these were things that TJ, Mike, and Shaddai treasures so much that it consumed all of who they were. It became the center of their lives because they trusted that it was going to satisfy the deepest longings of their souls. They ate, slept, and breathed what they thought would sustain them that would never let them down because they saw it as worthy. But when we heard them come back to the same conclusion that these things eventually were not worthy to be the center of their worship, that At the end of the day, not one of these things truly satisfied the desires of their hearts, the longings in their soul, the emptiness in their spirits. They were temporary, having no lasting value. In each instance, as they strive for fulfillment, they were left emptier and emptier because these things were not strong enough to bear the weight of their worship. These things were not strong enough to bear the weight of their worship. What does that mean? The worship of something in our lives puts a heavy reliance, a heavy dependence on whatever we are worshiping, saying, you will fill me up. You will make me whole. You will make me feel however I want to feel. Whatever we are trusting to fill us up, if it's not substantial, the foundation will crumble beneath us. 
1 Corinthians 3.11 reminds us that, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Only God can bear the weight of our worship because God is the only one worthy of our worship. But our hearts are hungry, right? Like God created us with a hunger in our hearts that could only be satisfied by him who created us. But a lot of times we try to feed our hearts with something else, something more convenient, something that feels good in the moment, something that we think will satisfy our hunger. But scripture tells us that because God sent his son Jesus, we will hunger and thirst no more. And we see that in the book of John, um, chapter 6, verse 35. It says, Then Jesus declared that I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Satisfying the hunger of our hearts is found in God through his son Jesus. And our hearts all have this innate desire to yearn for something, to long for something, to fill it up and make us feel complete and purposeful. God is cool and designed it that way. And you might have heard the cliche saying, there's a God-sized hole in our all of our hearts that only he can fill. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that's kind of cheesy. But that last scripture confirmed that. God designed our hearts to be hungry for him, to know more of him, to desire all that he can be in our lives. And when we don't fill ourselves with God, when we aren't hungry for God, we are ultimately going to be hungry for something else. Because our hearts eat lies when it's hungry. Our hearts eat lies when it's hungry. And when we let our hearts get hungry, they're going to eat whatever it can grab onto. Mike was eating the lie that money and status and prestige were going to satisfy the deepest parts of his heart, that if he could just get people to see what he had, that he would be valuable. He rooted his identity in those accomplishments. His heart was hungry, but he was eating something that just wouldn't satisfy, that could not bear the weight of his worship, and eventually it crumbled around him. Shaddai was eating the lie that opinions of others could be the foundation of what she built her life upon. Her heart was craving the approval of people, and when we worship the opinions of people, it changes who we are, who God created us to be. It can change what you're interested in, what you wear, what you enjoy, how you live life. Your identity becomes what others think of you. Her heart was hungry, but she was eating something that wouldn't satisfy, that could not bear the weight of her worship, and eventually it crumbled around her. TJ was eating lies that a relationship would be the very thing that would complete him. Being in a relationship became the center of his desires. His worth became rooted in whether or not someone loved him. His heart was hungry, but he was eating something that just wouldn't satisfy, that could not bear the weight of his worship, and eventually it crumbled around him. Because our heart cannot worship two things. Worship takes all of who we are. It's supposed to be all-consuming. And later, in the same chapter of Matthew 6, but jumping down to verse 24, Jesus continues to tell us this. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while being enslaved to something else. Wow. You can't worship the true God 
while being enslaved to something else. You can't worship both God and something else because God is the only one worthy of our worship. How often do we do that, trying to love two things with all of our hearts? That scripture tells us that it will be impossible. We can't worship two things at once. Our hearts cannot have two treasures because loving one will cause you to discard the other. It comes down to a choice. And earlier I talked about choice. And now that you know that your heart is going to try to find satisfaction in other things, that the treasure of our heart, if it's not God, is eventually going to let us down. It's going to hurt us. And the things in this life that we worship that's not God can cause us great pain in our hearts. So I want to present that choice to us tonight. God wants to show you that making him the treasure of your heart, your worship, your affections and attention can radically change your whole semester. And it can radically change your whole life. I want to take a minute to show you why our worship should be fixed on God. And we need to understand why God is worthy of our worship. So every other week in this series can mean that much more in our lives. Our heart of worship to God must stem from a correct view of God. I'm going to say that again. Our heart of worship to God must stem from a correct view of God. Because if we don't have a correct view of God, then how will we know that he is worthy of our worship? The famous theologian A.W. Tozer, an ODG, an old dead guy, writes in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, if we were able to extract from any man a complete answer to this question, what comes into your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. What comes to mind when you think about God? will determine if you think he is solely worthy of your worship. Tozer continues to write in this book that God has qualities that make him worthy, make him worthy above anything else. He is holy, self-existent, self-sufficient, eternal, limitless, divine, wise, unlimited in power, present everywhere, faithful, good, just, merciful, full of grace, love, and sovereign. First Chronicles sixteen twenty eight through thirty six tells us Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing, let them sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes to earth, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God our Father. Gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. We see here that God is worthy of our worship because he is in every created thing. 
The world he firmly established it could not be moved, that passage said. God is worthy of worship simply because everything is his and he is in everything. All of creation from nature to you and me, we were made for his purposes. This is why God is the only one worthy of our worship. We see also in that passage that God is good and that his love endures forever. God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, freeing us from death forevermore. It was something that we could never achieve on our own. That is why God is the only one worthy of our worship. And finally, from that passage, we see that God saves us because he sees all the things that want to take up room in our hearts as treasure, and yet he still forgives us. It said, save us, God our Savior, gather us and deliver us from the nations. Only God, through Jesus, has the authority to forgive our sins, the things that we want to worship more in our lives than he. Even the things that we don't see, he forgives us. And that is why God is the only one worthy of our worship. So let tonight set the tone for your semester. What will you let be the focus of your worship? What will you let satisfy the longings of your heart? What might you have to move aside in your heart to let God be the greatest treasure that you find there? And for each of us in this room, that's going to look different, but it come down, it comes down to God asking us this. Are you willing to make space for me? Are you willing to make space for me? And the best way to worship God this semester is by loving him most, by, by cultivating a heart that adores and chooses God no matter how we feel, no matter what is going on around us, no matter what ends up taking place in our lives this semester. And God just, he doesn't just want one part of our lives. And sometimes I sit and think, why well, just be satisfied with the sprinkle of God or just the whole thing, all of Jesus, all of who he is. Because once we get a taste of him in our heart, it's game over. Nothing is going to satisfy our hearts like God. Because we're going to realize that he alone is worthy of our worship. And I always think of the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think about when you get a taste for something that you really like and I'm a foodie so I'm all about this but has anybody ever tried cookie butter I keep talking about this but it is I can't even describe it it is just like heaven in a jar and I take one spoonful of that I take a taste and it's like game over I want nothing else I'm like walking around the house with the jar have a spoon hanging out of my mouth it's like game over one taste and I am sold I'm all consumed I like to think that when we get a taste of Jesus, when we get a taste of his goodness and his faithfulness and his love in our lives, it's game over for us. That nothing else is going to satisfy. Nothing else is going to take place. It's going to take residence in our hearts. and It's it's not going to work anymore. Jesus is worth it. This semester, let him be worth it. And when we let him be the center of our worship, the center of our attention and affections, that is going to change your life. That's going to change this community. It's going to change this campus. 
So in a moment, we are just going to break into life groups. And we're going to just take a moment and just discuss a little bit of what we heard tonight, what God wanted to share with us. And so if you're a life group leader, you could kind of stand up and um, we're going to start to spread out all over this room and um, we're going to break into life groups. And if you don't have a life group, just hop in on one. And we're going to take some time to discuss. I'm going to throw the questions here on the screen. And we're going to talk about, we're going to share together as a community what God was speaking to us. And I'm going to pray to close. And then we can just shift and take another like 10 to 15 minutes to do that. So God, we thank you so much for tonight. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And that when we sit down and when we really get into your word, God, that we can realize that you are the only one worthy of our worship. And that there are going to be things in our lives that are going to want to take the throne of our hearts. That are going to want to sit there and be the thing that consumes our lives, God. But I thank you so much that you love us and you pursue us. That when we get a taste of you, when we get to taste and see that you are good, it is game over. That you're the only one that we want to be the center of our affections, the center of our attention. So God, as we head forward this semester, I just pray that we can continue to keep our eyes and our hearts focused on you. Focus on what you have for us, the plans that you have for us. God, you are so good. We praise you. Thank you for being so worthy. We give you all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. It's going to get a little crazy here in the room for a second, but you can get up and you can move into your life groups, and we're going to discuss these questions on the screen. Ready? Set.